Welcome to LOA Today. I'm Walt Heason here with Alex King and Daniel Mangana. Today is Thursday, June the 4th, 2020. It's 4 p.m. New York time, wherever you are in the world. Thank you for joining us for another episode of LOA Today, your daily dose of happy. And I'm happy that Daniel's back. I think things have quieted down enough that he can actually talk to us and hear himself and hear us while he's talking. This is a good thing. So glad to have you back, Daniel. <laughs> Thank you. Great to hear my soul again. I can imagine. Yeah, you've been putting up with a lot of noise there. Hopefully it actually leads to some, you know, goodness where the housing is concerned there. Well, it was my, it was the downstairs, a couple of um, apartments over, their floor was being changed. Oh. So the tiles in the floor, because they're all tile floors here, they have to rip up an entire set of tiles, really. Really not bueno. He's um, he's shaking his head. This is not a good thing. But the good news is that it's quiet. And he actually had a very interesting topic for us today. Um, and I like the way you titled it. I, I'm, I'm going to let you give the title because you, you almost sang it. I, I'd like to hear you say it. So tell people what the What's is. fate got to do, got to do with it? <laughs> <laughs> what I love fate it. when we got free will and infinite possibilities? <laughs> That's fabulous. Absolutely fabulous. And this came up um, in a masterclass you were giving. In other words, this is one of your followers. No, not masterclass. Uh, there's a there's a, a weekly intention group. That What's I'm an in. intention group? We oh, set okay. an intention, we meditate on it, and we do some really cool stuff. It's using the Dr. Joe variation of the Lynn McTaggart work, and we okay. meet every Wednesday, and it's really cool. Oh, okay. All right. And it came up, the, the question of fate came up. I, now, I have to say... I have on the show had conversations with co-hosts about fate. It's been a long time since that one has come up. So I'm curious, can you tell us a little bit, how does that come up? Because, I, I mean, I don't really hear that one too often about, oh, I'm fated for this or I'm fated for that. Yeah, well, not really. There's different different ways that it comes, I hear it coming up. And I've got views on it, but this isn't about views, it's about conversation. Mm. But... The, the, as soon as predeterminism comes up in any form, I kind of shut down by virtue of the fact that it's been scientifically demonstrated that the electrons that form up the atoms that make up our world respond purely to observation, to expectation. Right. So once something's been demonstrated to be true and we juxtapose that against infinite possibility anytime someone says oh it has to be this way or that's the only way or i had to do it because of this and that i kind of shut down but um it still has these backdoor roots oh co-creation is one of the most annoying phrases i really don't like the way that it's used well, as, uh, generally, I find it really I, now, now that one I don't associate with fate so somehow you're tying it in and I don't know how you're doing that as uh, a backdoor one and you'll get what, what, what I mean that one the whole if it's meant to be it will be ah uh, um, okay yeah yeah right that the universe has a plan right okay mm-hmm. gotcha mm-hmm. it was it must have been God's will mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Externalizing I guess that one wasn't meant for me. Mm-hmm. These little sneaky ones, when you strip them away, they're basically punking out of being responsible for creating your reality. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At the rudimentary. Now, I'm not negating the nuances and all that kind of stuff, but they, they, for them to exist, for any of these phrases to exist, you are not ultimately responsible there's another entity that makes the final sign-off. And when people start talking about co-creation, then you're separating yourself to the point of having two differing points of view and you not being the one that's eventually responsible for making the choice. Really? So we're okay. saying that the universe is a tyrant. At the end, at the end of the day, the universe is a tyrant has the final say. Otherwise, what's the point in even making the statement? Well, I mean, I, I never thought of co-creation in the way that you're describing, but I can see how someone might. 
I mean, I think of co-creation is, well, I start to do some creating and you start doing some creating and now we're both doing some creating and, oh, this is really cool. We're creating together. And I, I just kind of leave it at that. And, and, in, that, in, and in, in that in that state, at that, at that level, that's cool. But then we're not co-creating. We're creating with the fuller part of ourselves because we are a physical manifestation of, of source. So we're simply allowing a higher expanded level of ourself to be included in the creative process versus, oh yeah, I set this intention, but you know, co-creation. So if it doesn't happen, it's because the universe didn't say it was so, or because it wasn't in my soul contract. So, oh, okay. So you're saying that, that people are associating co-creation as part of that back door as you're describing it. They're associating it as... If you have a conversation, if you go and find 10 people that are in this kind of stuff, and ask them all to break down what they mean when they say co-creation. Let me know what they say. I, I'd love to hear what the people have to say about it. And which ones of them do it in a way that actually means they have the final say versus someone else having to sign off. It's a great question. I don't know. I mean, Alex, have you ever run into this? Have you ever thought about this? I have never heard of co-creation ever. Ever? Oh, okay. Ever. This is my first hearing of it. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, well, I, I, we're co-creating the experience of your experience. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> my, my only association with the, the term co-creation is Abraham Hicks, because they always describe the workshops that they do as being co-created between um, Abraham and the people who are, who are participating in the workshops. Mm-hmm. And I always thought of that as Abraham simply trying to assist the people in the workshops to, you know, do whatever it is that the people in the workshops were trying to do. So. Basically, the responsibility stayed with the people in the workshops. They were simply asking for some advice and you know, a little idea about how do I break out of this thing that I'm in right now. But I hadn't heard it the Which way you're describing. I mean, I can see how people could do that. It's just I hadn't thought of that. I mean, the things that people can create. <laughs> <laughs> I've created so, a way I mean, to prevent myself from being the creator. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, if you just if you just go to the whole, just if you just look at it in terms of the context within which people use the phrase co-creation in relationship to the outcome and what they get and whether it happened or not. I, I just think I about it in those terms. I, I just, I have never thought of it that way. I'm going to have to pay attention to see if that's what people are doing. Mm. Yeah. So is it like, because if you take, if you, if you, if you just take them, take the conversation beyond the phrase, and ask them to just have a conversation about what it means and what was the point of saying it anyway. Right. Now, that's not to say that there isn't a point in saying it. For example, you gave the example of Abraham and when they're co-creating the experience. Now you can take the conversation to a natural conclusion because the purpose of co-creation in this, the, the phrase co-creation is to describe the infinite intelligence that's being channeled in the form of Abraham and the intendees of the event co-creating an experience that leads to a breakthrough that leads to transformation that leads to an expansion of their understanding right. there's co-creative experience two identified entities coming together to present to have an outcome right. now if someone has that and comes away and says i didn't have my experience well abraham is the one that had the higher responsibility so it must have not been my in my contract oh, boy, yeah. or whatever for me to have that experience Wow. Do you see the conversation? Mm. Yeah, I can see how that could go. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But people, could... people don't actually take the conversation any further. And they normally have a, a robot breakdown when you try and ask them to break down even what they mean by co A robot breakdown. Okay. <laughs> There's a hashtag for you, Alex. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> so it's basically a cop-out is what you're saying. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it is a cop-out. Well, it, it's understandable when you consider most people come to uh, conscious creation ideas, law of attraction ideas from a religious background. Some don't, I didn't myself, but but a lot of people do. And I think pretty much all the major religions of the world have an external God, an external deity that is responsible. So kind of built in in that sense. Yeah. It's, it's built in. And, and, and then when you get the whole, the surrender cop out that comes in the form of, oh, everything's working out for me. So 
so bueno. I don't need to set intentions. Everything's working out for me. Good luck with that one, mate. <laughs> <laughs> but isn't if you say that, aren't you setting the intention that everything works out for you? If you hold the belief system that supports that, then yes. But if you're okay, running then... on an unconscious program that says that things don't work out for you and you're verbalizing things do work out, actually all this was was a manifestation of your unconscious intentions for things not to work out for you. And that's really what's at the root of it, isn't it? I mean, the whole externalization thing, externalizing control in the hands of an external deity, it's all about what kind of internal conversations are we having with ourselves? Mm-hmm. Because the moment that the conversations slip the rails, I guess, <laughs> the best way to describe it, the moment they slip the rails is the moment that the, the thing doesn't work out the way you had in mind. So it it can't be me. It's got to be something else. Right. Mm-hmm. And the, and the sad fact is that so many people are losing out on the beauty of being able to manifest something different because of the externalization. So in my workshops, um, and when I, when I work with people, I do a blame identification scale. Ooh. When I show that there are, there, are, there are levels of blame that we move into, and people that are conscious or law of attraction type people, they tend to skip most of them, but then they still have the co-creation, the universe, or whatever or god as being Mm. this element in the top or the soul contract or my soul's purpose or whatever it normally in in my experience i've seen people do government society Mm -hmm. they have parents work boss employees teacher um religious or cultural blame um then we can go into ancestral blame. Oh, I, I'd love to be able to do that. But, you know, I've got this generational curse I haven't broken yet. And I've, oh, oh, yes. <laughs> but eventually, well, people, people like in religion might use the devil. Oh, Satan brought this in our lives. No, it was your vibration that manifested the opportunity for this. And then your choices led you into it. Mm. And this is unpopular because people look at collective agreements and use those as the as a thing. Collective agreements can still be transcended. It just takes a lot more energy to transcend a collective agreement. So it being difficult doesn't make it impossible. That's an interesting point. I, I hadn't really thought of it that way, but you're right. This, the uh, sole contract slash collective agreement uh, genre can easily be used as a way to deflect responsibility with the... Uh, mm-hmm. Cindy Chavez is called radical responsibility. I like her term because it actually mm-hmm. implies, I mean, the word radical means change. You have to actually mm-hmm. change in your responsibility. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting, too, that people who I see online, I, I hadn't thought of them in these terms, but as I'm kind of like filtering through what are some of the experiences I've had, I've had reading some of the stuff on Facebook, for instance, you know, because there's mm-hmm. lots of law of attraction type groups on Facebook. And yeah, there is mm-hmm. that. I, I always kind of dismissed it. I dismissed it as, well, you know, that's that's just part of them learning how this whole thing works and they'll get there eventually. And then I just mm-hmm. let it go at that. And that may, and that's you filtering your experience. Oh, sure. I mean, when we start to look at this, when we start to look at this law of attraction, law of vibration, um, match those two together right and start overlaying that discussion into this well we only experience what we're vibrational matched to the quality of what we are attracts into the experiences that we have but the vibration has to match in order for the experience to be attracted in so for us to witness something it means that we have to have had the vibrational potential to experience it whether we do that as the observer whether we do it as the um the participant or whether we do it as the post judge of the experience in order for us to have that in our reality at all, we have to have a vibrational match to it for us to experience it firsthand. That's when the law of attraction kicks in. So the law of vibration says I can be around rich people. The law of attraction says I can have that rich, those riches in my life. Mm-hmm. Right? So if we look at the racial tension that's going on right now, racism is a collective agreement that's been imprinted over hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. The vibration matching it by talking about it, by hating people around it, yep. by loving that it's there because they get benefit from it, 
by being fearful of talking about it, fearful of saying the wrong thing about it. So all of these emotional connections are creating a resonance that creates a potential to keep it being witnessed, which right. is feeding the collective agreement. Yes. So the collective agreement gets reinforced, whether we're giving it positive attention or negative attention, unless we change the vibrational frequency of the connection to it, it's going to keep manifesting, even if it takes a different form. Let's say, for example, tomorrow a miracle happens and everyone understands Black Lives Matter. And therefore, we no longer need to say Black Lives Matter and can revert to All Lives Matter. There'll be another racial group that will end up being chastised because mm -hmm. the energy is going to seek, seek a, 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 somewhere to express itself. Because this isn't about white versus black or everyone versus black. This is about hate and them versus us, which will always find a manifestation. I love Muslims that. weren't that, hated the way that they are. Muslims weren't hated the way they were until 9, September 11th. We all know that the Taliban were America's partners against the Russians. Mm -hmm. That's true. But then as soon as the opportunity showed up for the vibrational trans, trans, um, transfer of hate to a group that we were given a common enemy for, which is what happened on September 11th, mm -hmm. then all of a sudden we've got another enemy. And then that gets perpetuated by war which then stirs it up. And now you've got soldiers losing their lives and you've got the pain and loss of that being felt by their families, which then keeps it. So got, you've got this virus of hate that's finding all these different ways to manifest itself, perpetuating this massive collective agreement, which we're all in because we're witnessing it. Otherwise we wouldn't be able to see it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm, that's true. Which, and uh, obviously, this is a very poignant uh, thing to talk about because of what's been going on here in the U.S. anyway, um, the last week, two weeks, something like that. Um, mm -hmm. But it also raises an interesting question now that we framed it this way. How do we stop an undesired collective agreement? How do we reverse it? How do we replace it? Whether it was do whatever it takes to stop it. Collective agreement is just individual agreements that have been given more life because a lot enough people have subscribed to it to create an energy form from it. Everything that's in existence is an energy form. All ideas, flight, air travel was an idea. Leonardo da Vinci had the idea how many years ago. Mm -hmm. Then the Wright brothers took that idea, applied the laws of science and created a model that enabled that to be manifested in the form. And now you've got Boeing, you've got Airbus who have, taking it to different flights. And now you've got Elon Musk taking that into interdimensional, inter uh, mm. interplanetary travel. But it started as an idea. And then enough people committed to that idea to create a collective agreement now that now makes it a part of all of our lives. Right. So that's how it's created, so, but how do you stop it? Well, you don't stop it. You create something else. Ah. You stop creating <laughs> something different. And this is the thing. We're giving this, we're giving racism a pedal stool. No kidding. And by giving racism a pedal stool, we're feeding into it. So I even caught myself on Twitter um, yesterday. My friend Lauren posted something, and I went to read it, and I ended up in this vortex myself of reading all of these racist comments from, from England. Uh, and yeah. I was like, so I've got a very interesting experience. I was raised in a predominant race. I spent my formative years in a predominantly white area. And so I have actually firsthand experienced the difference between innocent ignorance and deliberately held hate. I've seen the difference between the two. Mm -hmm. I've seen a conversations whereby people who I, there's one particular conversation that really brought it home for me. I, my friend, um, my friends, Gary and David, we used to go to school together every day. They've slept in my house. I've slept in their house. They've had my mum's food. I've had their mum's food. And I think we'd been going to school together for four years and we're walking to school one morning and by Gary's silence, I know that David and he had probably spoken about how to frame this beforehand, but David was like, Danny put his hand on my shoulders, like, thank you, mate. I'm going to slip into my East London accent, by the way, my proper accent. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Thanks, mate. I said, uh, what's up, pal? He goes, I didn't really used to know coloured people before you. We didn't really know anything about them, but... You know what? Colored people are all right. Oh, wow. Wow. Now, bearing in mind, I, underst I, I understood his mindset because it's a mindset that I've been around. So I knew where he's coming from. I know the area that he was brought up in. There were no people of color there. 
at all. Mm-hmm. Sure. Mm-hmm. So that all that was all that was presented to him for people of color, for colored people, black people, for those of you mm-hmm. who don't know, <laughs> was, um, was the stereotypes, the uh, the fear, the 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 negative imprint. That's all that he was given. Mm-hmm. He wasn't given the opportunity to be educated. He wasn't even given the given the substance to know that there's something to be educated on because this is what he sees in the media. This yeah. is what he hears about. This is what he knows. And then you've got the generational imprints that come on the back of that. Black people this, black people that. Mm-hmm. But now he's had first-hand experience. He was forced because this black guy's been put in his class at school to engage with someone. He's been in a black household and had the opportunity to engage and find out that, okay, so we're not all pimps and hoes. We're not all... <laughs> we don't all listen to hip hop and eat collard greens right there is some difference right that and more most importantly those differences that do exist aren't there to be feared are there people that fit these stereotypes in the world yes are there people of color that that reinforce these stereotypes yes but not everybody has them and now he's had the opportunity to be educated mm-hmm. about that so that day was when it clicked for me. Oh my God, I am quite literally at the vanguard of all of these people that all of my peers at school seeing what a black person is, what a black person does, and forming and reinforming their idea of that. But they had the opportunity to do that. If we go into, I don't know, a backwater town in the bottom dollar of nowhere where they have had no experience at all and continue to have no experience of people of color the in the one or two engagements that they do have are negative or the stories that they have firsthand are negative mm-hmm. they're watching the news now and seeing what's happening in the bronx new york for example where mm-hmm. you're burning your own buildings down i don't quite get it but i know the anger that's pent up and leading to ridiculous ideas sure. and i'm i get it this they've had no opportunity for change They've got their peers saying, look, see, this is what they're like. You can't, which is the kind of thing they're saying online. Mm-hmm, look, mm-hmm. this is what black people are like. Da, 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 da. And so the story, the narrative not changing, the narrative's being, <laughs> being reinforced. And so you've got this energy that's playing out and playing out and playing out. And they're going to teach their children who are going to teach their children until mm-hmm. there's an opportunity for an educative change. Even when you look at um, the social construct of the, of the USA, so, for example, for, um, I don't know, for uh, an Anglo-American who has had no experience of prejudice or no experience of seeing what it's like to be treated differently, you giving them this idea that being treated differently happens, it's not going to compute because they don't have a vibrational experience that's going to give them the opportunity to understand the perspective. So when you don't have the other perspective presented, but all you have is the negative dark side of it being pushed, then where's the opportunity for change? There right. is no opportunity. Right. Uh, there's some people who, for whom their commitment to the collective agreement is so deep that they would never be open to change. Yes, of course. But it's not your job to do that. The job is for us as humans, and it's not just about black versus white. There are so many other misogyny, right? Um, prejudice for people for their sexual orientation. Oh, All of these conversations need to be had, mm-hmm. but had in the context of understanding that enough people are holding the lie that this has to be, that it perpetuates as what is. And until that's broken, it's going to continue to be the same. And I love that because it really beautifully illustrates the power of inventing the new story. Yeah. That new story, like you're saying, can completely replace the old one. You have to give it a chance, but it can really replace the old story. Mm-hmm. I think what's I mean, when you look at America, the civil rights movement was in the 60s, which Mm -hmm. means that the people who are in power now, the people who are writing the narrative, were raised in a society or raised by people who committed to the maintenance of a society that didn't consider black people to be fully human in so much as they weren't entitled to human rights. Right. Right. So if you look at that generational energy, then it, it may or may not take some time for the catch-up to happen. I had a conversation with a friend of mine yesterday, which is hilarious because she looks white, but she's not. She's half Mexican and half um, 
Native American. Her mum's like mixed Native American, but her dad's like brown town Mexican. But because she's like got like blue eyes, hair's like like brown, she gets like, oh, you're white girl, this white girl, that. And she accidentally had accidentally from not knowing had said, but yeah, all lives do matter. But she didn't understand the narrative mm. that was actually being placed, and so she mistakenly mistakenly said a phrase that isn't actually aligned with what she believes. And instead of people taking the opportunity to engage with her and say, oh, by the way, you know, I see you're a decent human, just so you understand this is what we're really trying to say, and this is why we're not using it. You white this and you that and you're racist and blah, 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 versus someone the opportunity to be educated, that wants to be educated, that wants to contribute positively, that wants to add to the narrative in an expansive and transformative way. But that energy of hate, which I understand, if you step on someone's head, for a long enough time, the second that they are let out for air, there's going to be a level of anger. If you keep crawling a bear and let it out of the cage, there is going to be anger that's going to be expressed. And to some extent, allowing the energy to be expressed is important because suppressed energy just causes more of the same. But channeling that expression into something that's more... And again, I'm speaking as someone that hasn't had the Black experience as an African-American... And so I even understand that, yeah, we've tried this, we've tried that, we've tried this, we've tried that. Yes, but has it been done in concert and has it been done to the level that affects a collective agreement? There have been pockets of it, but has it been consistent? Has it been sustained? And has it been, um, has it been done against a backdrop of universal law and how it works? And that's, that's my question. for today. It's a question that has, I, I think, been unaddressed. I think it's fair to say that question really hasn't been addressed at all, or at least to a very small extent by a very small percentage of people who are involved in all of this. The question that I always ask anytime we're talking about manifesting a change and talking about a new story is, okay, so what's the new story? We got it. I, <laughs> I mean, the, the biggest mistake I see myself making, and I think I see other people making too, is forgetting to actually identify what the new story is and then repeating it. And playing it and living it and experiencing it and, you know, just going through it over and over in our minds. So I'm wondering, so, okay, what's the new story? Hmm. Hmm, interesting. Uh, I would say in this case, the new story should be that we don't have to hate. So it's not like yeah. you take, like Daniel was saying, you take... So, okay, so Black Lives Matter turns into All Lives Matter, and then, so what replaces hating Black people? You don't need to replace it. You just don't hate at all. (laughs) (laughs) All in favor, say aye. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that was simplicity. (laughs) (laughs) I try to keep it simple. (laughs) But you know Again, I understand that, especially for me, I'm talking to someone. Look, for me, the worst I was probably going to get in England, there were there have been a few instances of like racist murders in yep. specifically scary areas. Stephen Lawrence was a big one that happened in the UK about 30 years ago. Yeah. But it's not as common. You'll have prejudice treatment. You'll have maybe you get a butt, an ass whooping you get spat on, so on and so forth. And I'm not saying that these aren't bad, but I haven't lived in a society whereby I'm literally scared if I get stopped by police at a stoplight as to whether this is going to be the end for me. It's a very, very, very different situation. Will I be racially profiled for stop and search? Yeah, definitely in the UK, especially if I'm wearing, you know, pants around my bum or whatever and a certain type of sneaker. Yeah, it's probably going to happen versus if I'm... I mean, driving a nice car, you're probably going to get stopped as a black person, racial profiling. That happens. But the police officer isn't going to kill you, likely. The one time that... that re- Does it happen? Yes, but I'm talking not on the scale that it happens mm-hmm. in the States, to the point where there's a collective agreement of fear on the back of it, which, as we know, that collective agreement of fear is going to create more of the same circumstance because it spreads like a virus and actually has people unknowingly manifest the experiences that co- correlate to that fear. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. 
it's a it's a difficult conversation for the very reasons you're describing because of the experience that people have had here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I mean, it's real. It's, it's coming out. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's coming out in the way that people are talking about it. Um, it's getting. I, here I am. I'm, I can feel myself going through. Okay, be careful what you say there. Be careful what you say. There. <laughs> I can just feel myself. Oh my God! All these things I have to be careful. Just, just say it. We'll correct you. <laughs> Holy cow! Again, again, this is the thing. Well, someone like yourself, who isn't trying to be ignorant, wants to be educated so that they can make a positive contribution. You should be able to speak your questions without fear that your quest for expansion in your knowledge and your ability to move into future conversations where you do contribute constructively is being hindered by being scared to ask the questions that might create that, that change for you. And I think that is sad. It is. How are you supposed to know if you don't ask? It's true. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's, it's, I think for, for someone like me, it's more a fear of, I, I really don't want to say something that's going to themselves off. I, I want to try to help them and, and give them the love instead of the hate. I, w- I want to try to do what Alex was talking about. I want to, to get hate out of the equation, replace it with love, and just stay in that love vibrational place. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually did have a conversation on Facebook a couple days ago with a couple of young women who were really, really pushing um, the, the Black Lives Matter thing. It was in a, in a, a law of attraction group, and it was challenging because no matter how I tried to stay true to that, they were basically trying to pull me off. Mm-hmm. Their, 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 their stance was essentially, you're not angry enough. You're not angry enough. Wow. That, that, seriously, that's what it was. That's what it yeah. came down to. And, and they finally dismissed me. They, I, I'm not sure exactly how they uh, you know, pictured me in their minds. I, was I uneducated? I'm not sure if they decided that was the case, but they, they dismissed me. They found a way mm-hmm. to dismiss me because... I was insisting that they should actually get to the core of it. <laughs> and they didn't like that too much. But in the, in the context of that conversation, I was also like being really careful. How do I express this in a way that I don't set them off? And the hardest part of that was realizing I really can't. Yeah. Not up to me to not have them set themselves off. Right. That, that's, that's not easy. No, it's not. <laughs> So there's a question for you. How do you not do that? <laughs> <laughs> I say I be myself and everybody else be damned. Ooh. <laughs> I think also, again, we're looking at, uh, and, and I want to preface this by saying I understand, at least from the outside looking in, why there is a commitment to this, but there is still a, a commitment at an unconscious level. I'm not saying that people are consciously saying, I'm going to stay in my hate, I'm going to stay in this, and I'm going to stay in that. If you keep your foot on somebody's head, generation after generation after generation after generation, that collective pain body is going to create unpredictable results in terms of how people respond to someone that does quite rightfully, um, someone that does quite honestly want to know more. We've been taught that hate is the only answer. Mm. Now, as I said on my post on Instagram and on Facebook, which actually got a little bit of traction, um, Love alone isn't the answer either. The example I said is, if a child is getting abused at home, physically abused, beaten up, mm-hmm. are we going to say, oh, send in love and light to the, to the, the poor child? Mm-hmm. Love and light. Yep. Love your way out of it, kid. No, we're not. We're going to seek to rescue that child from that situation because mm-hmm. it doesn't have the power to protect itself. It's, it's in a reality whereby it doesn't have the strength and means in order to protect itself. Sure. Mm-hmm. But just standing at the door and hating the person that's doing the abuse isn't going to do anything either. No. Nope. And if, and I, again, I'm not saying take the child out and send love to the person. No, the person has to be held accountable for what they've done mm-hmm. also. But then looking at everybody that looks the same way as that person and saying, you must be a child abuser because people like you abuse children is a very, very different thing. Yeah. The same if you're looking at a ch- someone that's been brought up that all they know is to abuse a child. That's all they know. And they abuse a child giving them the chance to be educated, giving them the chance to be educated that that's not really what you do with children. Sorry, bro. Uh, again, it's part of the narrative. But um, 
there's so many levels to this. I think, you know, love and hate both can be bypasses. Mm-hmm. You're not angry enough is coming from a person who is angry within themselves. But again, I understand where the anger comes from. But understanding where it comes from doesn't change the fact that it's not going to change anything. Mm. Yeah. That, that eloquently describes the, it felt like being in a bind. Like on the one hand, I knew it wasn't going to make a change. And on the other hand, I didn't know what to say. I didn't know yeah. how to help the other person break through. I mean, the, the only thing I could think of to do was to offer what I knew and then just kind of back off and let them react and respond whatever way they needed to and just leave it. I didn't know what else to do besides that. Sometimes that's all you can do. I guess, yeah. You know what? I, I recommended, I had was having a conversation with Olga even um, a couple of days ago. She was asking some questions and I sat with her and I helped her to understand things. So I said, babe, you probably shouldn't jump in any conversations about this. I wouldn't have this conversation with anyone else right now. Just here's a safe space. Safe bubble. <laughs> you know. Because I think because yeah. she doesn't, we don't really watch the news here, so she mm-hmm. gets all of her news from memes. So she didn't realize it was something really serious going on. So oh. she wanted to go back up to New York. She wanted to go back up to New York for like for a little bit, and because um, quarantine's opening, you know, opening up, she wanted to pop up and go and get some some bits and whatnot. And then she's like, "Oh, it's really bad." I was like, "Yeah, what else? Say don't go to New York right now." <laughs> she's like, "Oh wow!" And the first question she asked is. But aren't they doing it in places where it's black people live and have businesses? I don't understand why they're doing that. Genuine question, they're question in everyone's mind, but probably not one to have with people who are just angry at the moment. So right, right. <laughs> yeah. Just a little, little salt on the wound right there. <laughs> yeah. Put the salt down. Yeah. Back away from the microphone. <laughs> So let's tie this back then to the original topic you brought up, because it's a great topic, and the key word in the topic was fate. I mean, we've been talking mm-hmm. here in terms of a collective agreement, but often that is mm-hmm. seen as being fate, as being unchangeable. You know, mm-hmm. you're, you're stuck with it, right? And the only way out is, well, right now the, the claim being made is the only way out is aggressive protest. But I think protest does have a place, and this is what my my point is: protesting has a place. It's raising Mm -hmm. awareness. It's an uh, it's a healthy way to express the emotional response to a situation. Everyone in the world now is having the opportunity to see this. But protesting is not the final solution. Probably shouldn't use that phrase. Protesting isn't the end of the story. It, it should be the foray into creating real change, which is everyone's individual energy changing and the choices that we're making off the back of that changing too. People being held responsible is important for balance, but hating everybody that's in the uniform. I know people that are police officers, both in the US and the UK. Mm-hmm. You know, one of my friends is a, in, in the, he's in the NYPD and he's like, bro, I hope, you know, you don't look at me differently from my you know he felt the needs to reach out mm. and apologize for his choice of career when he's a good cop mm. he actually cares about people he wants to protect and serve he's not interested in using it as a tool to right. oppress people and to commit heinous acts so, so let's, let's, again let's talk about the fate portion of this because I, I think that's what is probably in the background for a lot of people unstated undiscussed but the belief that it it just can't change it's fated that it's going to play out this way i mean if you go back to the days of slavery one of the things one of the reasons why african-americans to some extent are so obsessed with um christianity is because it was ingrained as part of the the brainwashing Mm -hmm. and there were specific texts from the bible that we used to demonstrate that slaves should obey their master and so on and so forth and in some ways, religious doctrine is used to to create this decisiveness and to say that the subjugation, the subjugation, even to the level that it was, was actually permitted and encouraged. So again, you've got this thing that's been ingrained, 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 ingrained. And you hear it said, part of the, the white supremacist rhetoric is we are God's chosen, right? It's part and parcel of the rhetoric. 
And it's one that's being seeded insidiously in the psyche of the collective pain body that doesn't know any different. Right. Because that's all they've known for generation, for generation, for generation. So mm-hmm. again, there are some that would say, well, this is what the soul came to experience. Okay. And if you take the soul, what the soul was here to do, argument to it, uh, discussion to its nth degree, that's essentially what you're saying. That, okay, cool, an entire race of people in a particular country and in other countries of the world too are being treated in a certain way. But, you know, everything is perfect. Mm. That's a hard statement. A lot of people are going to hear that when they're going to say, oh, I don't know about that. That's a hard pill to swallow. (laughs) Yeah, but if if you take it to its nth degree, everything is perfect, everything is the way it's supposed to be, the universe is always taking care of you. Was it? Is it? Is it? Is that what we're saying this is? Really? Mm. Or are we saying that there are instances where, where everything is perfect, the universe is taking care of you, and everything the way it's supposed to be doesn't relate? Oh, yeah, unless it's to do with racism, then the universe didn't choose racism. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it happens a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, not necessarily race. I've seen it with a number of different topics. I've seen it particularly with um, uh, sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. I've, talk, yeah, I've had conversations with people who were um, victims of sexual abuse, and it's a very similar conversation. So where do we draw the line? But then when we things when we go back to you know cut the BS out and actually go to the way the universe actually works, isn't this poppycock every free thing? Is that energy is responding to expectation? That's what the the, the split the, the split experiment showed us expectation is leading the way in terms of what we end up witnessing around energy. But we've got this pain body and we've got this collective agreement of racism and hate. I'm going to say hate rather than racism. This collective agreement of hate that's reinforced and presenting an unconscious series of expectations that are calling in a reality of it. So if we want to change it, we need to change the expectations. We need to change the story. We need to change the blueprint that that's all running off. But that's not going to happen if we're still hating. Yeah, that's true. But it's also not going to happen if all we just say is, oh, love. The change that's being claimed must be imprinted as a new belief system and there must be reinforced with boundaries and actions that support the new belief system. All right. So let's go back to what Alex suggested earlier about what the new story is going to be like. And forgive me if I don't paraphrase correctly, but essentially it sounded to me like um, we're just going to remove hate from the conversation based on what we were talking about in the last 10 minutes, that sounds like a fairly challenging foundation. <laughs> Definitely. I didn't say it was, uh, <laughs> but I mean, if we look at that, we can't just stop. The fact of the matter is, is that, you know, energy is neither created or destroyed. It just changes form. So that energy needs to be transmuted. What we're talking about is alchemy, the alchemy of hate. And love is the most effective tool for the alchemy from hate. But in order for that alchemy to sit as a new agreement, it must be supported with actions that align with it. Mm. And it must be supported with the cleansing of the thought quality and actions that align with it. And that is the only way that we're going to get a new one. But if we're running around and saying, yeah, but it's a co-creative experience, so I guess the universe wanted us to be like this, or this is the way it's supposed to be then how are we going to have sufficient leverage over us or sufficient energy behind this momentum to allow it to transcend into an actual alchemy of hate? And when you state it that clearly, it becomes evident it can't. You're you're basically setting the possibility there. Yeah. So now we have to say what we can do. And and the thing is, when, when people say the whole surrender thing and use it against the backdrop of fate in any situation, I think sometimes we fail to see the way that the brain works and the way that we work as being that the unconscious mind is operating at 10,000 to 10 million times the speed of the conscious mind. We are always manifesting against a blueprint that sits in our unconscious mind. So unless we change that blueprint and have that blueprint alchemized, but that demands that we make choices that support that new boundary. Mm. And it demands that we have sufficient agency Right, we accept the agency to make that change. Otherwise, the program isn't going to change. And if the program doesn't change, then as individuals, we're not going to change. Then as a society, we're not going to change. And as mm-hmm. an agreement, it's not going to change. And the hate is going to continue. It's going to express as racism. It's going to express as misogyny. 
expresses hating people for their sexual orientation or their religious beliefs or whatever. It demands a change, and that t- change I don't see. And I, and you guys know me. I'm not saying that this is the final thing. I'm ready to be proven incorrect, but I don't see how that happens against the backdrop of everything is perfect and the nth degree of the conversation where we say, well, we're here to experience it. Okay, so we should just let everybody kill other people for being gay or for being transgender or for being black or for being a woman or whatever. We should just, you know, put feet up. No need to do anything. This is perfect. I don't see how those two get held in the same conversation. Yeah. Yeah. I've always had trouble with the idea of perfection anyway, and this kind of reinforces that for me. <laughs> That's almost a, another topic right there. I want to tie in another thing that you've talked about extensively here on the program, Daniel, and that's the concept of micro-shifting. And I want to bring that in because if we look at most, the way most people rank the various emotions, hate is usually very close to the bottom. Love is very close to the top. They're far apart. It seems like a, a tremendous opportunity for micro-shifting. What do you think? Definitely. Um, if, we, if we go back to beyond intention, step one is accept that we do have the agency within us available to make a new change. And then just say, oh, okay, what's that change today? Right? Maybe I can heal not just hate that expresses itself and based on someone's race, but let me find something within me, some space to make a change in how I treat animals how I treat myself, how I treat my siblings, how I treat my spouse. Find something within your realm that you can start to make that micro shift into. Maybe it's just being more aware of the conversation I'm having. Mm. Right? Maybe it's just inviting myself to look more at, because I've got a a weird thing. I've got this weird thing, right? That I don't know if I've voiced it in public before, I'm going to do it now. I really don't like that if a white comedian makes jokes about the race of a black person in the audience, they are vilified as a racist. But if a black comedian makes jokes and calls someone a honky or does something like that about a white person in the audience, everybody laughs and it's okay. For me, it's the same energy. Yeah, it is. I agree. Yeah. It's the same energy. Mm-hmm. And unless everybody stops doing it, so where are these seemingly innocent areas that we're allowing the energy to, to rest? and have expression in our life and we'll start chipping away at those. That's what I think is the, um, the microchip. That's also why I guess I like dad jokes. They're, they're usually pretty clean and calm. I mean, there's not a whole lot of Definitely. You know, the worst thing that happens in a dad joke is somebody trips over a rock. I mean, it's not that critical. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> Join us, Alex. Join the dad. <laughs> oh, I, I fully joined. I came up with a couple myself. Really? Yeah, we had a we had a strong two week period where I had where I had a dad joke for every episode. <laughs> we did. That's true. Maybe it was might even have been a month. I think we need to reinstate this. Well, part I of it too. Agree. Part, part of it was that you were pushing me for a dad joke every day and I was running out. So yeah. <laughs> I was like, I got you, bro. <laughs> I've got dad joke memes for days. I've got the memes for days. Cause I just, I think I've just set up vibrationally to attracting the dad joke memes <laughs> of the world. But I don't have verbal ones, but memes I've definitely got for days. Yeah. I love memes and, and I love I, puns. I, I will say, I think this is actually one of those micro shift steps. Mm-hmm. Because ultimately, what we're really talking about here is, for a moment, shifting our attention away. This is the pivot that Abraham talks about: pivoting our attention away from this thing that, that is just, you know, breaking our minds at the moment, focusing mm-hmm. on something that we can feel good about, getting ourselves feeling good, and then go back and say, "Okay, I have a new perspective now." What does that new perspective give me? Mm-hmm. I agree. But again, I also understand that for someone who's been wrapped in a pain body for centuries and genealogically has been imprinted, we know trauma is imprinted in the DNA, right? Mm. And the type of trauma that's been imprinted, especially those that are generation, generationally linked, sorry, genealogically linked to people that did come directly from the slave trade, that's imprints of torture that are just undealt with mm. generationally encoded in the DNA. So, I mean, there was something someone said, and I don't know if it's real or not, but there was like a, an N word 
kid uh, catcher license that was issued in Missouri in the 20s. In the 20s, wow. these are being issued. And lynching still goes on in some parts of the US today. Yeah, so, yep, it does. So the, that energy is not being given the opportunity to be transmuted mm-hmm. because it's just there encoded in the experience. So when I see irrational behavior and behavior that doesn't necessarily contribute, I don't feel compelled to be able to knock it by virtue of the fact that I can see where that's coming from, but not knocking it and still holding the opinion that, yeah, you need to get it out of your system. I I feel you, but it's not going to change. It's not going to create change. The same way that just holding a light candle isn't going to create a change because that's really how change does. <laughs> There's got to be leverage for change. Well, I, um, I'm going to take a, a sort of the counter viewpoint just for a second there. I'm going to make an argument for there being some change coming out of it. And the reason I say that is if I have been holding mentality A, whatever that might be, and mm-hmm. I start holding a candle for one moment in time, my mentality has shifted. It may not hold. Mm-hmm. The shift may not stay, but for that for that moment in time, I did experience a shift, and that's There's been the in some way on my experience going forward. Mm. There's the microchip, and if, the I mean, if we take this, if we go get really esoteric and start talking now, chemical life creation and lucid living level of this conversation, well, it could create the change if enough people hold the belief that this alone will create the change. Yeah, whether it is the holding the candles or the the, the anger. It can, but if people aren't being deliberate in it and they're just running on their script, running on their unconscious program, which isn't for change, it's for staying the same, then there isn't going to be any change. Mm -hmm. Because it's not just action, it's the energy and intention behind the action that creates the outcome. By the time we've taken an action, the intention's already been made, unconsciously or unconsciously. We've we've stepped into vibration and we've started to mentally rehearse it back here so that the action... All the hard work's already done. The action's just the end result. This is the end result, yeah. Or at least the opportunities that are available are the end result. So we have to go back up the ladder and start, so, okay, let's change what narrative we're, we're having. And this doesn't mean, oh, you know, just forget everything. I love Dr. Joe. Wisdom is memory without the emotional charge. I can hold the, the, the memory of a, of a situation and make different choices from it without being disempowerly emotionally charged by the experience here in the now. So I can, for example, be mindful of the fact that, yes, as a black man, my life may be in danger by this traffic stop, but I don't have to start mentally rehearsing from a place of fear that, and therefore inadvertently open myself up to the vibration of possibility right. or behave in a manner that, exas- that exaggerates, exaggerates um, puts gas fire on the situation. Great, because you've got to remember that a lot of these officers, not just ignorance, some of them are coming from fear as well, because sure. they've been told, oh, there's a black person there, they're going to have a gun, my life's in danger, and all these other stories. So they're acting from fear as well. So you've got two people coming from a place of fear, creating a, a microcosmic collective agreement of fear that energizes that fear and calls in potentials that correlate with that fear. And that's when it can go out the window until one of the two changes the frequency and breaks the agreement and therefore opens them up to something different. Right. And mm-hmm. that's where the hope is. Absolutely. And you bring up a great point that I think kind of gets lost in the shuffle, but I, I'm going to take it and I'm going to expand it and make it uh, like a rule across the board. I'm going to suggest that everyone who either directly or inadvertently expresses, expresses racist views is doing so mm-hmm. from a place of fear. I see that fear and ignorance. Yeah, or, yeah. Or ignorance or ignorance-fed fear. Mm. And I think if we look at the at, at the root of it, we'll find even in the ignorance, the ignorance is based in a fear as well. Yeah. Or it's learned fear. behavior, or it's learned behavior because that's all they know. I mean, if you, if let's say for example, my dad's the clansman, my mum's a clanswoman. I don't know how that works. And his, <laughs> daddy was a, and his daddy was a clansman, and all I know is that the ideologies, ideas and the narrative fed to me, then where's mm-hmm. my opportunity to have anything other than that? Mm-hmm. The story, the fear, like the story of the the, grand, the woman who cuts the ends off of her roast and it goes back three generations and says, oh, that's because the oven was too small. So everyone just following this behavior, right. 
the, in, the inciting energy of fear may not even be there anymore. It's just learned behavior. This is what it is. 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 So I'm going to also put out one more radical concept, radical idea. And that is that with all that's going on and with people pushing and shoving and pushing back and all that kind of stuff, the one good, really great thing that is coming out of this, this mass awareness that is happening is that people are thinking about things differently. Mm-hmm. Maybe not necessarily the way that this group wants them to or the way that group wishes they wouldn't, but they're thinking about things differently. And in the process of thinking about things differently, conscious or not, they're micro-shifting. <laughs> they're setting up a micro-shift to happen, and they don't even know necessarily how it's going to play out. But it's happening. Mm-hmm. It's playing. Hey, I wanted to also share something that uh, Josie, Josie's been uh, posting quite a bit here, and I wanted to share some of the stuff that she put into the live stream because there's some good stuff there. She says, first, my mom says that many people fall into the habit of the belief in a victim mentality slash energy, and I couldn't agree with her more. So that energy gets vibrated outwards. And then she cites Raymond Hollywell, who uh, Linda and Rita and I have been discussing on Fridays. We finished up that book on this past Friday. Um, in the first chapter, he writes, millions are affected by unemployment, poverty, and want. Millions complain of sickness and disorder in countless forms. And then going on, believing that the circumstances around him are stronger than the power within him, that man is defeated before the race is run. What do you guys think? I like the uh, the first thing she said that, that about, um, oh my gosh, I just lost it. <laughs> <laughs> um what did her mother just her mother said something what did she say yeah her mother said that um people fall into the habit of the belief in a victim mentality slash energy yeah big facts how do you see that play out i mean can you point to an example example um hmm. i could i can make an example of somebody shutting that vibration, a bad vibration down. Mm-hmm. So there was this instance I, when I was in hair school uh, about 17 years ago. <laughs> and um, there was this, this older white woman who came in to get her hair done. Cause that's, get your hair done really cheap at, during hair school. And she came in and she had my friend who was, who's also an older lady and white and she was doing her hair. And she said to her, she saw me walk by and said to her, oh, I didn't know N-words had straight hair. And my friend turns to her, shut her, shut her completely down and said, we don't use that word anymore. I don't know what year you think this is, but you have to get out of my chair. Shut it down. And we've been friends ever since. (laughs) Yeah, I can tell. Yeah, sure. (laughs) Because she didn't have, I didn't hear this happening. She didn't have to come up and tell me about it later, but she did. And I'm sitting here, I'm really curious to know what the reaction of the client was. Well, she was blown away that she was being kicked out of the building. I'm sure that was part of it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm wondering what was going on in her head, though, because basically she was faced with a conundrum. On the one hand, she expressed what she felt. On the other hand, she got the door slammed in her face for it. I feel like she was at an age, she was late 70s and uh, probably dead now, but she was... um, at an age where you say whatever you want, first of all, and you're also raised in, in, in the time where that was appropriate. Oh yeah. So ignorance, that's all I can say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, that's just me taking it as on, on a lighter note. So I, I don't get angry about the situation because mm-hmm. there's nothing I could have done about it. So I probably would have said the same thing. Hmm. Well, I think you also did something else, though. Mm. You didn't buy into the vibration at all. Sure didn't. I bought into my friend's vibration of shutting you it down. You bought into that big time, yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay, sis, I see you. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you made a radical choice there. Mm-hmm. Probably an easy one, too. That one didn't take a whole lot of thought, I don't think. No, not really. No. <laughs> I mean, I could have been like, oh, my God, this lady, and she ruined my entire exactly. day, and I could have gone down that road, but I was like, well, thanks for telling didn't. me. I, yeah, and I appreciate you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That that to me is it's uh, that's more than a micro shift. That's a major shift. That, yeah, yeah. 
that's a big shift. And and that's I think that's going to happen more and more quantum, now. Quantum, quantum shift that. Quantum yeah. shift. I like that one. Hold on. That's good. That's <laughs> another hashtag right there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, this has been good. Good conversation. Um, I should re- remind people who are uh, waiting for the app to come out. The app is almost there, but don't wait if you haven't subscribed. <laughs> subscribe anyway. We'll let you know when the app is out, but mm-hmm. make sure you're subscribed. And if you haven't subscribed, go to the homepage of the website, LOAToday.net. And you can subscribe right there. That's also where you can see a copy of what the app is going to look like. And it's also one of the many places, including here on the show, where you're going to find out when the app is available. By the way, guys, I got narrowed down to one one piece of the last problem. That's how oh, close. Oh, snap. Yeah, we're really, really close here. But I had to reach out for help on this one. I was just like, I, okay, I don't know where to go, guys. Give me some advice here. Talk to the If you don't ask, you'll never know. Exactly. You know. But, um, yeah, it's going to be good. Oh, and by the way, we also encourage people to subscribe to us on YouTube because that's where we live stream to. And this is where Alex gets into her Vanna routine. Tell us how to subscribe <laughs> on YouTube. So you go to YouTube, search LOA Today podcast videos. And once you see our smiling faces, click down below to the red subscribe button. Next to the red subscribe button, there's a little silver bell. Make sure you click all so you always be notified when we are live. And Dan's shadowing you in the background. (laughs) Dan's my backup dancer that I've wanted all my life. (laughs) Loving it. Absolutely loving it. Good, guys. I love it. Thank you very much. Thank you, Josie. And others in the live stream, thank you to our podcast listeners as well. And we will see you all next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody.